guys. And we're back. We are back. Welcome to diplomacygames.com. I'm Ambi. And I'm Kana. And we are at the Buffalo Bar. The Buffalo Bar. Which, for something that's a very American name, doesn't really have a very strong American theme in it. Like there's some random... Well, it looks colonial Australian to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just putting it out there. So, yeah, like there's... There's, a, there's nothing. Oh, there's look. There's a random cowboy and Indian type of um, picture hanging up over on that wall, and the screens which they do have are playing American sports. Oh yeah, so that's the NBA. So um, yeah, there we are. Ipso facto, it's an American it's bar. American bar. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so for those of our American listeners, you can probably just hop online. Actually, we'll take some photos later, and you'll go. Yeah, how's that American thing? I don't get it. No, no, it doesn't look. But you're right. Maybe like if you kind of went into like a, uh, you know, a slightly not not ultra colonial building, more like a what do they call it? Like a federation? Not federation. What do they call it? The federal period or something like that in America? Maybe. You don't yeah, know your yeah, American. No, no, I don't really know archi- my American architectural history, um, but I imagine maybe something out of Philadelphia, perhaps. Or, yeah. You know, that. that um, Sort of, you might get architecture like this on the east coast where there was still that, that English oh, influence, yeah, or maybe, I mean? or maybe like even some of the early architecture like in San Fran or somewhere like that, yeah, perhaps, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not that I've been to San Fran, so I'm just talking out of my ass again. Well, how unusual, yeah, uh, the, the movies that we've seen, I guess. Um, actually, there was a movie that was filmed, oh, where was it? It was one of those stupid movies, like an action, you know, disaster movie. I can't remember which fucking one it was, but it was filmed actually here in Brisbane and it was meant to be San Francisco. Really? Yeah. Well, that wasn't that um, San Andreas. Oh, yeah, it was. It was the one The Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was San rock. Andreas. That's right, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's one of the few movies I've actually walked out of. You know, oh, was it that bad? <laughs> yeah, I got to about halfway. I just couldn't take the near misses any longer. I was like, no. Uh, enough was enough. I'm out. There we go. Yeah. Visual spectacular or not? No. The story just wasn't there. Anyway, Diplomacy Podcast. We are a Diplomacy Podcast. and um, What episode well, are we up to, by the way? Yeah, <laughs> this yes. is episode 27. Episode 27. Yeah. Fantastic. And we're actually going to be doing a back-to-back recording today. Yep. Um, because we got our shit together and interviewed Technostar. Woohoo! Yay! Um, so... For those of you who um, may or may not be aware, Technostar was the guy who um, put together the Divided States variant most recently, which yep. is now active and running over at the lab, and we got, well, I know I got really no, excited. No, it's not at the lab, it's at Beat That's what I said. No. These are the lab. Well, I've already had a pint before Andy got here. So, <laughs> so, so what are you drinking? I'm drinking Five Seeds Cider. Five Seeds Cider. Yes. And I've got a Marty's Block Tempranillo. I sound so unsophisticated. <laughs> Actually, when I went to the bar, I asked the, I asked the barmaid around, or bar staff, um, around, yeah, two, two ones I couldn't quite choose. And I said, oh, you know, how, how, do you know your wines well? She, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she described this one as being a good opening wine. So it's the first wine of, of, of your session, it's a good wine. And I agree, I think it's actually it's a really good recommendation. Yep. And if I had gone to the bar and asked for what do they recommend on the cider, they would have gone, you dirty, dirty dog. You curly man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm loving the cider in this hot weather. 
Oh yeah, actually, I must admit because because um, when when we turned up here, Kana was outside having a a sneaky uh, sneaky cigarette, sneaky cigarette yep. uh, because of our smoke, anti smoking laws in, in uh, Australia. And I thought, look, if we're going to be outside, I won't be drinking red wine. I'll be onto the fucking tequila and stuff like that, just to kind of. It's only refreshing that, tequila and soda and wine, but yeah. It's anyway, that, it's that Mexican heat, perhaps maybe the Americans can. Oh, no, it's, it's more. A, it's like that disgusting humidity thing that we it's have a up horrendous here. Horrendous humidity. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sweating my date out, um, but what kind of <laughs> too much detail there, kind of. <laughs> Back to the back to the topic. Though. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Divided states. Yeah, yeah. So we got together and um, actually did an interview um, with Technostar. So. He, as I said, he's the creator of the Divided States and an overall nice guy. Yeah, very nice and, guy. And um, absolute proof that the diplomacy hobby is alive and we've got younger people joining it. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, look, for this particular episode, this episode is going to be pretty much exclusively talking about the Divided States variant, both Kana and my experience, uh, as well as the interview with Technostar. And he kind of has some, just, some real gems and some of the things that he talks about in the interview. Yep. Uh, so we'll have, like as, as Kona said, the back-to-back. The next one will be more just a general show. We'll touch on a whole heap of topics. That'll come out probably in about two weeks. Yep. Um, unless, of course, things get fucking busy and I don't get my shit together and then it slips again. So um, we will say now, though, before we get into the Divided States one, Kana kind of said to me when I turned, he said, oh, you know, Ambi, the audio quality of the last one was just horrendous. And I feel really, really bad because... When we were sitting around the, the, the pool bar and we keep hearing this noise of the pool and people laughing and having a good time, we thought, oh, this is going to be really, really poorly recorded. So um, we better leave here. So in fact, we actually sat back and left, sorry, we left, went somewhere else, started yep. recording and it was a lot quieter. But we found, listening to it afterwards, it was the exact opposite. The pool was actually, the audio quality was much better and where it was quiet was terrible. So... so um what do we do about this? Well, okay, so I, I did kind of say we have to probably get some proper bloody recording gear. Yes. And we did kind of hint in the last episode that we would, maybe we need to kind of, you know, see if anyone wants to donate to the show. And it was kind of being a bit, bit, bit jovial, a bit jokey around it. And one particular player, in fact, said, yeah, 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 I'm happy to do that. Just put up the details. So I have actually created at the moment a Patreon account. Oh, okay. So Patreon is kind of like a um, uh, like a place where you can kind of donate, so that maybe like for every show you're happy to chip in a couple of bucks. You know what I mean? Because oh, yeah. you, yep, yep, yep. you don't have to do it. You and, keep and, listening and, to everything for free. That's yeah. all cool. And, and, and guys, just to go, just to be sure, this isn't going to fund our drinking habit. This is for um, upgrades to the equipment and the audio quality. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah it, it won't make us. I was going to say it won't make us more drunk, but actually some people would probably go. Actually, I want to pay actually, money, I want for to pay money for that. <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather this, the, this, the, the, the odd stupid pissed Australians with their dumb accents, rather than actually and listening to it with really, really bad audio. Oh, I'm all for that. So, um, uh, so we will do something on Patreon. I haven't, as I said, I've created something there, but I've actually just like gone and created the account, but I haven't actually done anything with it. And okay. I'm so bad, I don't even know what the, what it's called. So maybe I'll just um, 
put in the show. Actually, what I'll do, I'll put it in the show notes. Oh yeah. Because maybe I'll get my shit together and, and do it properly, and then oh, people yeah. can yeah. find it there and they can donate if they want. But if you don't, if you yeah. just want to keep, you know, getting everything for free. It's still going to be for free. Yeah, no totally problem. There's no pressure. At no all. pressure. <laughs> you know. But you know, if, if you if you want to get some 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 good gear that we can kind of get together and do some proper recording, then you know, yeah, we're all in. So if you want our um our, our pub recordings to sound uh, better quality, um, more along the lines of uh, our our interviews, which are. I think sound fairly good. Right, yeah, 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 I think so. I think I, for the first time ever with the interviews, I think I actually worked out how to fucking do it properly, so it wasn't really, really bad at my end. Because some of our earlier interviews, I had to dub my questions back in at a later date, it was so bad. <laughs> um, back to the interview. Back to um, the interview. Yeah, yeah, so to give you guys an, uh, just a, a brief overview of... Um, some of the things we talked about that we'll be talking about we'll be talking about uh, the divided states uh, variant um, the uh, impetus that gave Technostar the start yep. the, the, the germ of his idea to um, develop this variant to start off with um, we were speaking about the type of experience that he gained throughout the process of making the variant yep. and um, well, for me, personally, I've got a bit of an insight as to what's happening on the other side of the board, which I've got no... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, on, a, on a game that us three mutually are all playing on. Um, there's a similarity to problems between Andy's work and, um, and Technostar's uh, place of education. Yes. Um, and, um, I don't know, I'll leave it, I'll, 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 I'll leave it to the... Um, after the interview, but uh, are we really bad influences, Andy? Are we, are we bad influences for the younger people? I must admit, after this interview, I thought, oh, do we need to tone things down? And then, like, like you know, the little angelic Andy was saying this on my shoulder. And, like, next day, it's like, ah, fuck that. Just keep going. <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> You've got to prepare kids for the real world. That's right. You know, and the sooner they get it, the better. That's not right. too soon. Yeah. Um, all right, so without further ado... Um, enjoy the interview. Enjoy. Technosar, thank you very much for joining us today. Our um, first interview in a long while. Um, both Kana and I have been a bit slack of late, so we do apologise. Um, but it's for, for a time to kind of actually have somebody on to talk about a, a new variant, uh, I don't think we could have got a, a better person than yourself on. So welcome. Thank you, thank you. It's my pleasure to uh, get a chance to be interviewed by you guys. Yeah, it's, it's sure been a pretty hectic time getting this variant out there, Divided States. So yeah. um, we'll talk about the, the, the variant in a, in a moment um, because it's mind-blowing to say the least and I'm sure we're going to spend a fair amount of time talking about it. From your yeah, point yeah, of sure. view, your techno star, I mean, how long, or how, how long have you actually been playing for Diplomacy 4 and what got you into it in the first place? Okay, so I've been playing Diplomacy for about a little over a year and a half, I'm pretty sure. Um, I was first introduced to it uh, in my school. I'm still a high school student, uh, student, by the way, so currently in 11th grade. Uh, Anyways, I first got introduced to it in my school by a group of friends. Um, They were playing a game all uh, over at Playdip, just a classic game. I got Austria. Um, I got destroyed pretty uh, quickly by one of my friends who uh, had played the game before, playing as Turkey. But uh, while doing so, I learned a lot about how the game is played, 
how stalemate lines are formed. Uh, I was able to hold off Turkey for quite a while with only three units. It, it was a whole lot of fun. Uh, next thing I know, we're playing another game. I'm playing as Italy. Uh, wind up being like the top person in a draw. And after that, I was pretty much hooked. Very lucky to be introduced at uh, at high school, Techno. Um, so how, how did that come about? You, a friend was playing it on Playdip and said, hey, you know, this is an awesome game. Let's jump on. Have you been interested in board games before that? Uh, I wouldn't say it's, uh, it was board games. Uh, this was a guy, though, who I had played the game Civilization V with. Uh, great game. Uh, though it doesn't have nearly as much negotiation. So I was already in the strategy game scene. Not so much strategy board games besides chess. Uh, so yeah, we were just talking around one day and he suggested uh, doing a game of diplomacy. So I was pretty gung-ho to try it out. And it turns out it was really fun. So what, what do you like most about the game? About diplomacy? Oh, easily the negotiation. Uh, and of course the ability to backstab those who... Uh, it would be advantageous to do so. That's always a whole lot of fun. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've just been backstabbed in the uh, in the most recent Divided States game, anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, the one uh, where. Uh, yes. One where you're Oregon, right? Yes, yes, yes. So we'll talk yeah. about that. We'll talk about that again soon. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a... <laughs> oh, it's yeah, that was joy. pretty rough. <laughs> Um, one, one, one bit of a, a, an oddball question for you, Techno. Your, um, your profile on V Diplomacy has a quote saying that diplomacy is the art of punching someone in the face and then convincing them to smile afterwards. Um, how have you gone with that gameplay theory so far? Um, uh, sometimes I use it, sometimes I don't. Right now, um, actually, one of the games I'm playing uh, on Kane or your map, sea lane, uh, World War Four Sea Lanes. Oh, yes, I, yes. Yeah, I'm currently allied with Colombia, uh, but pretty early on in the game, I was attacking them, and I actually took a few supply centers from them. But turns out we had a mutual need for working together that trumped our need to fight each other, and right now we're pretty happily working together. So it's a philosophy that I live up to sometimes, but not always. Though I have to say it works a lot better on really large maps because there are always those around you. On smaller maps, it's pretty limited to just seven players. So on that World War or Sea Lanes game, you're doing quite well. You're actually um, at the highest spot of supply. <laughs> it's nerve-wracking. <laughs> um, personally, I don't think I've ever, ever actually been there on a, on a large map myself. How's that feel for you? Um, this is my second time actually doing this well in a World War Four game. Uh, first game on V Diplomacy, I was playing as Oceania on the World War Four 6.2 map. So, a uh, whole lot of fleets. Actually, a very similar game uh, gameplay style to Colum uh, um, to Cuba. What am I saying? Not Colombia. Uh, in that you have to focus on getting some armies from your island onto the mainland pretty early. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is a pretty nerve-wracking game when you're on top, since you have to constantly be on your guard uh, for somebody trying to knock you down. Just so I, I actually bet. 
find it techno which is the game we're talking about at the moment is this walking in the nuclear winter wonderland or is it another game no 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 uh walking in nuclear winter wonderland's uh gunboat game uh this one right here is world dash amazing okay cool we'll create a, a link to it in the show notes world dash amazing one thing i'm actually blown away with is the number of games you've got currently being played um how do you how do you fit that in is that because you're still at school or uh it's definitely because i'm still at school i couldn't do it otherwise uh now my school has actually blocked v diplomacy which was kind of sad but <laughs> it hasn't blocked web dip though but it's blocked v diplomacy so i can only play it at home since i don't get any cell reception in my building but like i have in my uh description I may be addicted to this game. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, uh, I'm pretty sure I have a total of four World War Four games going on and two Divided States games going on. Granted, two, uh, two of them are Gunboat and one of them is Public Press, but it's still quite a lot to juggle. This actually is a question of logistics. How long does that actually take you a day? How long would you be spending playing Dip? Um, Logistics-wise, surprisingly not that much, um, especially once the games got, have gotten going. I have a strategy where I send out press messages to pretty much just about everybody in most games uh, early on just to establish a relationship. But once the game gets going, I don't have to check in too often, and orders rarely take over 10 minutes to put in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd estimate around 30 minutes a day. Well, that, that's pretty good going. I, I tend to agonise over each and every order. So, I mean, uh, maybe that's when my, my, my games are down. Um, but you've obviously got uh, a love for these larger maps. Did that, um, in a way, influence you to want to make the divided states? Oh, so much, so much so. Uh, larger maps, I've always loved them because they give you so many more options than one of the smaller maps. The things I didn't like so much about the smaller maps is like in the late game, you're pretty much stuck with a set of alliances. Like if you have, say, three people, chances are you're just going to be staring down at each other, waiting for somebody to make a move so that you can ally with the other person against them. It's sure very, uh, very tense, but it's not nearly as much fun as when you have, say, at the end game, seven large players just duking it out. Sure, um, and and there's always um, with, with these larger ones, there's always this chance for a chance occurrence on one side of the board, totally affecting your uh, strategy in the region that you happen to be in, which is always very fascinating. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like, Kaner, how you're playing as Japan in that World War Four Sealands game? Uh, turns out, I'm pretty sure we're finding the same person. Like, are you attacking California? Oh, am I? Um, well, it I, I, kind of looks I, I like it. The way that the game plan, um, I'm definitely moving into the neighborhood. Um, yeah. It's yep, yep. I don't, I don't want to give away anything because I don't funny. want to give away too much. But yeah, uh, it's always a whole lot of fun to see how the other parts of the board influence uh, where uh, what you're doing around you. Like, I've been actually talking quite a bit with people all across the board, like. Turkey's approached me. Um, haven't gotten a chance yet to talk to Central Asia, but I don't know. 
It's a whole lot of fun to be able to negotiate with somebody completely on the opposite side of the map. Like, uh, first game of World War Four I played, uh, as Oceania, I had a pretty tense uh, set of negotiations with Russia. Like, completely on the opposite side of the map, but I still had to talk with him. Yep. And, okay, so, you asked me if I was sort of um, heading towards your direction and that will obviously cause for there to be um, further diplomatic discussions yeah we'll have them in the appropriate venues as it comes to the appropriate um, time Um, I guess that particular game what surprised me very much is I'm now I've rebounded from about three or four supply centres at one stage I'm incredibly lucky to have uh, found a couple of um, firm alliance partners that have been willing to allow me to uh, recover to the extent that I have. Now, whether or not that will um, continue into the near future or far future remains to be seen, but um, no, there's definitely that that tenseness that happens on a large map where you're not always sure if you're going to make it through um, and it's these, these bottleneck moments um, and that kind of brings me to your divided states variant. Is that mm-hmm. when I look at this map, I just see an, so many incredible opportunities to allow for these moments, both uh, serendipitous and planned, for there to be uh, moments of um, intense bottleneck plus maneuverability on the board. Um, I, I guess this is a good point to really. Um, bring up the actual physicality of this map. It's, uh, you know, the, you've got 50 players on it. It's, mm-hmm. it's huge. It's set on the map of the United States of America. Um, you've got sea lanes in there. Um, from from an Australian point of view, I look at this map and I go, oh, okay, I, I've got an idea as to where, where all these states and things are, but actually playing it, I've just realised mm-hmm. just how little of American geography I happen to know. Um, would you like to talk to us a little bit about your thinking behind um, arranging it the way that you've arranged it? Oh yeah, certainly. Uh, so like right right off the bat, one of the things that I had to consider was just how uh, various alliances would play out across the board. Like World War IV, you have the whole idea of con- continental politics where you're stuck in a block, but here there's really no... Uh, really no boundary between regions. Uh, It's just one continuous mess across the entire board. And I really had to think about that. Uh, But the second thing I, uh, right away, when I was first uh, toying around with this idea in my head, was how, like, how would I handle coastal states and states along the Canadian-Mexican borders? Because... Unlike the ones more towards the center, they don't really have as many neighbors inherently. That's just the curse of geography. Uh, hence the ceilings, hence the neutral standing armies that exist in many Canadian and Mexican supply centers. It's to basically give those edge powers something else to worry about uh, so that they're more on par with the states further in. Yeah. Now, uh, Amby and myself have been um, sort of keeping an eye out on this progress of this um, variant for several episodes now. Um, yeah. We've been 
you know, <laughs> I um, when when it finally went live, I was totally excited, and I joined up for um, two of them, thinking, oh yeah, should be right. It takes fifty players. It'll, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll stick around for the first one. I'll pull out of the second one. Um, no worries. And I went to sleep that night, and the next day they've both been filled up, and I'm like, oh my god, I've joined two games, and I only really meant to join. Um, <laughs> Have you have, have you been surprised at, at how um, this this variant's been embraced? Um, actually, yes. I was not expecting this game to fill up that quickly. Like the fact of the matter is, we had two games of divided states fill up within a really short amount of time. Actually, uh, one of them, the divided states of insanity. No, no. Hang on. What's the name of the game again? United um, States of Insanity is one that we're all no, currently No, United playing. States. United, oh, United States, States of Insanity, yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, I'll put a link to that in the uh, description so that other people can check it out. Yep. Uh, but with that game, you know how it was a 50-point uh, buy-in? Yes. I didn't have 50 points lying around when this map air, uh, aired. Like, I didn't know exactly when the map was going to air. So Ollie actually had to jump in and give me 10 extra points uh, dip points so that I could actually join the game. Like that, that would have been kind of embarrassing if I hadn't been able to join the first real major game of the variants I had created. Yeah, that would have been a bit embarrassing to say the least. <laughs> yeah, and you would have been so and, and pissed the, off. <laughs> and then by the next morning, it was just completely filled, and the game was already starting. It was amazing. We've had a so few. Um, I was thinking, so we've had a few CDs or NMRs that have already kicked off in the first two rounds. I'm trying to actually remember: is is this um, standard process where, if in the first year a player um, NMRs or CDs, it kind of causes an automatic extension, or is that just something that somebody had set up when the game was going? Does anyone know? Um, that I believe is. I believe that's the default for V diplomacy in general. Okay. Uh, like. If you go into new game, um, actually, I can't go into new game right now because uh, you have you to have five dip points to do it. But if you go into <laughs> just talk to Wally, <laughs> yeah. But if you go into new game and uh, look at NMR options, the default option is that you have NMR protection for two turns. Uh, so, like the first two uh, orders phases. So if you have somebody NMR during one of those two phases, the game will automatically be extended. Now, I did have to code it in an extra special feature uh, for this one. It's one that already exists in actually the World War Four maps, and that's the uh, default builds for the custom start, because you actually have to pick what units you're going to build in Divided States and in the World War Four games. So... If somebody doesn't join in and they don't have any builds uh, queued up, you don't want that power to suddenly be left with no units at the start of the game. That would be totally unbalanced. So what happens is that the power gets a default build. Okay, and does that um, is that always the same, or is it kind of configured for each individual power? It's configured for each individual power. Like, uh, say Hawaii, they're going to have three fleets. But if you go all the way over to, say, Nebraska, they're going to have three armies, naturally. Uh, really, the ones on the coast were the only ones I really had to worry about. Um, like deciding whether or not to give New Hampshire a starting fleet in Portsmouth, uh, POM, 
for those of you who don't know American geography nearly as well, uh, or deciding whether or not to give North Carolina a fleet in WLN. Both of those were uh, decisions that I had to make when doing this. Okay. Um, now, there's an incredible amount of coding that's actually gone into this particular variant. Um, it, there's 693 total territories, of which 270 of them are land and 236 of them are coast. Um, how, just on, on a there's a couple of questions here. The first um, is more technical. What program was it that you used to do the graphic um, layout of the map? And the second question was, um, well, are you insane? How did you? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. For the second one, I can answer that pretty quickly. Uh, in all likelihood, yes. Uh, for the first question, though, I used the program GIMP2. Uh, free, open source, and it has basically everything you need to create a map like this, including, most importantly, a good software for managing the various layers. Uh, yeah. And it's uh, tools for drawing all these lines and filling them in with the appropriate colors. Those were also pretty good. Uh, same thing with its management of text. So all around, really good program for making this. Yep. Uh, actually, on the standpoint of images, one of the things that I did not realize when first creating this variant was that when saving an image for a V-Diplomacy variant, you have to use a certain special format called indexed mode, which basically assigns the numbers 1 to 250, well, 0 to 255 uh, to various colors, and the 0 to 255 data is what the image stores. I don't know why it's like that, but that's the real reason why you can only have uh, 256 land centers without having to do some nightmarish hacking uh, to get the map to work. Yeah, and obviously you, 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 you've uh, pulled that off quite well. Yeah. Particular variant. Um, now, I, I do recall a little while ago um, that you actually had more territories than the, the actual code allowed for. Um, you had to cut back on some areas. Did did that hard um, that hard limit upper limit of territories, both coast and land, uh, play a huge role or a significant role in the decision making that you made? Um, where places were placed and things like this? Well, I wouldn't call it necessarily a hard limit. The reason I wasn't able to get past it was because I don't actually know PHP. Like, I'm fluid in some programming languages, but not PHP. So I couldn't really make all that much of my own code from this, besides just copy and pasting stuff from other variants into this one. So I was basically stuck working with what uh, World War Four had already done. And... Uh, as for how that influenced the variance design, when I had to cut down on the number of territories I had, because I had way more than the amount that the World War IV code was designed for, which was a limit of about 512 colors, uh, I used that essentially to rebalance this map once more. Uh, I've redrawn the map itself uh, quite a few times just to get the right balance 
and everything. Uh, well, actually, I still don't know if it has the right balance, but I hope it has the right balance. On 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 that on that question. So you're involved in the two games which are running at the moment. How, how are you seeing uh, that the the opening moves playing out? Was are they as you kind of expected them to play out, or was there a difference to what you expected uh, certain countries to play or states to play, and how they've moved? Are there anything that stands out as well? I didn't expect that to happen. Um. I think the thing that stands out the most is that in divided states of America, uh, Delaware, for whatever reason, built three armies. I don't really understand that because Bermuda is right out there for them to take first year if they want it. And their coastal power. Uh, in addition... I'm kind of concerned about Nebraska. They haven't been doing particularly well in either game. I thought you were going to say Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's just because he got hit by a hard stab early on. Only, one, a, it, only one hard stab. <laughs> well, uh, he got hammered by both California and, and Washington, Washington to start. Uh, and if that happens, there's really nothing you can do about it. All you ha What you have to do is be really, really involved in negotiation early on. Yes. Uh, yeah, I guess you just got unlucky with the way things played out early on. Oh, I've had some bad strategy on this game, and some things have come back to haunt me. And um, others, others are playing the game much, much better than myself, so, so good for them. I'm obviously going to blow my 50 points. <laughs> <laughs> oh well it's going to be fun uh, whether I live or die or not so I can imagine you feel the same way well I must admit I quite like the uh, the Four Corners Alliance um, there was a rumour going on around that and it's, that's obviously played out to be very much the, the, the case um, so did you want to just have, as, a, as a segue I mean that was an interesting that four players who all share the same common borders were all able to commit to um, obviously building an alliance and not stabbing each other. Uh, was that something that you kind of expected that everybody would actually stay committed to what they were suggesting? Um, oh, uh, do you mean from a variant design perspective or from the, the actual gameplay perspective? Oh, just from the gameplay perspective. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't obviously impact the, the nature of the game now because at any point of time, any one of those players could decide to stab each other. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and the, stab might, the stab might actually be pretty spectacular because uh, the four corners are the only place where on the entire map uh, four different provinces come together at the same points. Well, territories. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can actually move diagonally. So if I wanted to, I could send an army into Monument Valley and then move directly into the Zuni Reservation in New Mexico, even though I'm playing as Utah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I was actually kind of surprised that the uh, Alliance got off to such a good start because... Uh, Really, there's a lot of tension between the powers here. Like, it's pretty easy for, say, me to attack Arizona or vice versa, me to attack Colorado, 
or New Mexico to attack Arizona, New Mexico to attack Colorado. It's pretty easy for just one of us to get out of control and attack the others. Uh, I guess really the only reason why it's worked so well uh, right now is because of Texas and California and the whole uh, issues with them being larger than the powers around them. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of united by a common fear of them. <laughs> That's what I was hoping was going to happen against um, against California, and and obviously you know you've you've been party to that in my conversations with you, trying to encourage an attack on Nevada, who just hasn't communicated, and as a result, yeah. assumed that he was just you know buddying up with California, which seems to be the case if you check what's whatever hen is on the map, how they're kind of working together. I think on that one, um, so I think that that that's well and truly. Uh, occurred, but there has been, I suppose, some some relatively poor moves made also by California. They could have done a lot better with their start potentially. Um, so um, I know it's, it's one of those things where it's it's hard to always pick, and, and you don't know the challenges and what other conversations they were hearing at at the time and what why as a result of that they made those moves. Hmm. Yeah, we'll have to see how that plays out. Like, I'm kind of surprised that California didn't wind up taking San Jose first year. Like, that's going to be a bit of an issue for them. Sure, they still have seven supply centers to start, but they could have had more. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of expected, obviously, San Fran's just going to go straight to San Jose. Well, well, actually, probably not. They'll probably move when they build an FRS. They'll probably go to San Jose at that point of time. But, yeah, either way, he's well positioned, <laughs> especially to be up with between that, that and Washington. Um, the, the irony, of course, is that um, for the first time in a long time, I was actually kind of hoping that Doc and I wouldn't kind of come to blows. And of course, in year one, we've come to blows. <laughs> uh, oh, does that always happen between you two? Apparently. <laughs> Normally, I'm going to stab him, so maybe he's just decided he's going to get his revenge on me. Yeah, no. no I- I have a similar thing, though not quite exactly the same. It's less about stabbing and more about having an interesting relationship. Whenever I'm playing a game with Mr. Finkelmeyer, the guy who's currently playing California, the game with him in it is always interesting. Like, first game I had, the one where I was Oceania in World War Four, he was, ironically enough, California. And we were constantly on and off fighting each other. Uh, World War Four sea lanes, we just so happen to be pretty close allies, and in this game, uh, we don't really know what to make about each other right now. Can, can I just uh, interject here, and myself, I'm on the east coast of this game, I'm this little um, <laughs> Oh, we've forgotten country. about you. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, you know, one of the issues with this map is that you kind of don't really pay attention to a lot of the rest of the map when you're so engrossed in what's happening around you because really, uh, since everyone starts with one more unit than what they need to capture their neutral centers, well, most of everyone, uh, even in the first year, you have to be very cautious as to what your neighbors are doing. Like, I wound up taking Elko first year with my extra unit. So you're not really as focused on what's happening across the board. Yeah, um, and that, that's just come home um, what, with, with a vengeance here. I'm, I'm Connecticut, by the way. Um, and this is the first I've heard 
at all of this four-way alliance that's occurred in these four corners. Um, so <laughs> that's a bit of intel I can uh, sort of pass on to a couple of my neighbours there. <laughs> so. Yeah, a couple of your neighbours. Well, you're a little bit far away to start. Maybe we'll come into contact later. Who knows? Uh, yes, who knows? Who knows? But it 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 it's it, it, it's just a a, a a really good example of how on such a large scale map um, that sort of uh, quite pivotal information is quite useful for a region of the board, but has very little bearing on the other side or in other regions. Oh, um, I just get where Connecticut is. That's the American state that's kind of wedged between what New York and Massachusetts and. Yeah, uh, the one that's light blue. If you've yeah, ever played okay. Monopoly, uh, I basically stole that color from Connecticut Avenue. Oh. <laughs> so, so, sorry to disappoint uh, Technostar, but the uh, the version of Monopoly in Australia actually is all of places in London. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Monopoly has a lot of uh, variants to it, though not in the same way Diplomacy has. Yep. Like All the variants to Monopoly are just change up the place names. It would be like, say, playing a game of diplomacy on this classic map, but every place name is the name of a place in J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. That would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, new variance idea. J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Um, uh, speaking of variant ideas, um, how did you... Well, where did you start with this idea? Why did you? Why did it come to you? Or what was the situation that led you to? Okay, I'm going to make a variant, and it's going to be based around um, continental USA. Well, I had wanted to make a variant for a while. I toyed with the idea of a scramble for Africa variant at one point, but I decided that it wasn't really going to work out the way I was drawing it at that moment. I might come back to that idea later, but for right now, I really just got to maintain this map, fix, uh, sort out any bugs. But uh, as for the whole concept of divided states, well, 2016 election certainly uh, was one inspiration, but I've always kind of had a fascination with that sort of alternate history kind of stuff. Actually, one of the other uh, big projects I've ever done in my life was a map for that game Civilization V I mentioned earlier of, you guessed it, the United States of America. <laughs> <laughs> now, unfortunately, it's a lot more difficult to actually make countries in Civilization V than it is to make them in diplomacy, so I was never quite able to get a map of all 50 states fighting against each other up and running. But that idea was one that I had lying around in my head for quite a while, and one day, while I, uh, one day this past summer, I was just like, you know what? Screw it! I'm going to make this map, and it's going to be a map of all 50 states. Did you toy around with the idea initially about, look, maybe I should just get my, you know, toes wet, so to speak, by trying something a little bit smaller and less ambitious, and prove the concept that yes, this is something I want to do before making such a commitment to kind of build a, you know, obviously what must be the, the biggest map ever produced for diplomacy. Second biggest. Ah, oh, second biggest. Okay. Well, yeah. World War Four uh, sea lanes bigger, is it? Uh, no, World War Four sea lanes isn't nearly as big. I'm pretty sure the only map that's bigger or at least on the same scale is New World Order by actually the same guy who created World War Four. Right, okay. Like, 
Uh, I'm going to send you guys a link to it uh, in case you don't know about it right now. That's uh, uh, with one with um, nuclear weaponry, isn't it? Is that, um, yeah, yeah. You know what that, I really like, though, about that one, uh, like, conceptually, is that anyone, wherever you are on the map, can influence the outcome from the start of the game on the other side of the globe. Like, uh, North Korea could just suddenly start investing in nuclear weaponry and get his range up so that he's capable of nuking the United States right off the bat. Yep. I think yep. he's and played so that game before, for, hasn't he? For, for listeners, um, that's a variant on the World War format uh, created by Tom Reinecker. So just as a, so we're referencing. That's, right. yeah. a, as a, that's more like a play-by-email game, though, isn't it? It doesn't exist yeah. in a um, uh, PHP or other online format, does it? Sadly, it doesn't exist uh, anywhere outside of play-by-email. Yeah. Uh, I'd say it would be possible to bring it to V Diplomacy, although it would be very, very painful. Like, you know how that 1900 variant uh, currently being developed has taken quite a bit of uh, coding to even get to the point where it is now. Mm-hmm. Like, like that one that's currently being ported over to V-Diplomacy. Well, this map would take even more time to port over. Yeah, so not just for its scale, but because there's a whole heap of um, rule changes for different units in that sense as well. Mm-hmm. Like you have nuclear units, uh, you have wing units. You have a United Nations-style victory condition. You have terrorism. Uh, you have counterterrorism associated with that. It's just so many extra rules that you would have to bring in that, uh, well, you would certainly need to know more about PHP than I do to do it. Um, so now that you've um, you, you've jumped right in on the deep end and you've made this um it's quite huge, man. Um, are there? What have you? What, what sort of hints have you, or, or um, tricks that you've come across? What have you learned? What sort of advice could you give budding variant developers? Uh, for, for budding variant developers, well, I, I'd say a lot of the advice that I could give would be more on the side of coding. For instance, when you're first going into uh, bring your variants from just a series of images to an actual playable variant. Uh, there are quite a few tricks that you need to know in order to get everything to work properly. For instance, uh, in order for V-Diplomacy's built-in edit map feature to actually work, you have to have a default uh, install.php file, which is basically what contains all your variants' information about where its territories are located, what's adjacent to what, etc etc whether something's a supply center or not where to draw the unit on the map you have to have a default one of those files in order to get everything to work Uh, you also are probably uh, going to want to set up your own local uh, server to run php stuff on and i actually have no idea how i managed to get one up and running i couldn't describe the process to you right now Uh, if you want to get one up and running you probably have to talk to Ollie to have any idea what's going on. I, 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 I've, I've tried a number of times to get something like that 
um, set up. So, I mean, my, my, I take my hat off to you, Techno. You know, I mean, you, you, you managed to get it up and running and you run your own server. Um, that's, that's pretty impressive in and of itself. I don't yeah. know where to start. But what, what, what program did you use to, to do that, for, to, to set up the server? Uh, it's one titled XAMPP. I won't try to pronounce that outside of its acronym form. So XAMPP basically gives you a PHP development environment that you can use to uh, toy around with things. Then you have to actually install the vDiplomacy software on your local server. Uh, I haven't even bothered uh, actually getting this up on a website because I'm going to, I'm the only one who actually uses the server but uh, yeah it, it's a lot of stuff to manage I mean from uh, going through this whole experience techno would there be anything you'd change uh, if you were doing it again uh, yeah well Both either in the game or the actual process that you followed yes in the process so for about three months, if you remember, there was basically no progress, and that's because there was an issue I was having with the edit map feature, where when I tried to place a unit on the map, it wasn't actually doing anything. Well, if I could go back in, my, in time and tell myself to do something differently, I would tell them to, instead of try to place uh, units on the small map, place it on the large map. Because turns out the large map is the only thing that actually renders. Uh, so you know how Divided States just has one map instead of you know how most variants have one smaller map and then one larger map. Mm-hmm. Uh, Divided States just has the large map, and I was trying to add unit positions and all that information to the small map, which didn't exist. So. For three months, I couldn't figure out what was going on and why everything wasn't working. Turns out, I just had to change one selection in a drop-down menu in order for everything to work properly. I figured that out sometime around Christmas time, and uh, once that happened, I was done in about a month and a half. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very that's very impressive. Um, do, do you do you kind of foresee? your variant uh, the divided states um, migrating to other um, diplomacy sites techno uh, in all likelihood uh, not the ones that I know of probably not on web diplomacy since they are very very picky about what variants they include yep um, uh, could it potentially be picked up by playdip would you be happy if playdip was to pick it up um uh, I would I would totally be psyched if they managed to pick it up, though. I, I don't know if they'd pick it up because a lot of their variants and such are designed for a smaller number of players. Like, I, if I remember correctly, the only ones they have are a few uh, variants to the classic map, uh, the variant 1900, which is currently being ported over to VDIP, and the variant Versailles, which is the one where you control a minor power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all of those feature exactly seven players, so I don't know how the play diplomacy software would respond to suddenly having fifty players to deal with. Uh, so actually, on the idea of play diplomacy, 
One of the nice things about PlayDip is that you can message multiple people at the same time, something you don't actually have over here on VDIP. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and that would make things like that Four Corners Alliance uh, so much easier to implement. <laughs> I think you'd see a lot more uh, large blocks. But at the same time, it's kind of nice uh, to have that thrill, knowing that somebody might just be plotting behind everybody else's back, and there's no way to prove that they're not doing so. Absolutely, and that's that's the joy of these these large maps. Um, on on a related question, um, would you have any objections, provided you know proper um, recognition was given to you as the variant? Creator in the first place, if someone was to take this, you know, this map and then um, make a variant around it, like say, um, divide it to eight players, or um, start playing around with a couple of the um, starting positions or, or different rule changes in that. Would you, um, you know, now that the, the, your hard work is there, I, I'm, I'm myself thinking. Wow, you know, I could I could split up a couple of these spaces and instead of having three countries in that one spot, have one. So, um, would would uh, what I'm trying to say is that you know a variant on your variant. Oh, I'd be totally fine with that. Uh, I don't know why somebody would uh, do certain things, but I could see, for instance, a U.S. Civil War variant being set up on this. Now, granted, that would be kind of ridiculous to have like over um, 50 or so supply centers on each side of a U.S. Uh, Civil War map. Um, but let's say a U.S. Civil War set in I don't know, 2025, say, um, and you split it three ways or whatever. I, I don't know. Well, what you could possibly do, uh, for example, I, um, using the, the original... Um, I suppose the, the thought process you had, Techno, is like, say, on the 2016 election or any other election, you could kind of take the American map, make some blue mm. states, make some red states, and um, see what happens. <laughs> okay, let me just say that would be absolutely chaotic. It would be a glorious kind of chaos, um, but it would definitely be chaotic. Uh, I would be fine with seeing somebody do that. Uh, like, like, I wouldn't have any objections to it. Now that my map is out there, it would actually be kind of cool to see somebody build something off of it, sort of like how New World Order was built off of the World War Four variants. Yep. Um, I, think, I think if you did something like that, um, one thing that's going to be absolutely critical will be those sea lanes uh, to kind of break through stalemates that's no doubt going to occur. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's the, the likely event, though. If you have um, less people playing the same map, you're going to have to kind of come up with that. And I, I just cannot get my head around how long it would take you to set orders if you had, you know, <laughs> hundreds of units to control everything. That's time. what I'd fear, too, with a map like that. Uh, this map has, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, let me pull up the variant page, or like 278 or something supply centers. No, 279, that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, so controlling, say, even just 100 units is absolutely insane. Like with one of those World War Four maps, uh, 
even 50 units is crazy to control and only something you'd want to do for, say, a few turns before you eventually get to some sort of draw point. Uh, you wouldn't really want to map where everyone starts with that many supply centers just because it would be kind of difficult to put in all the orders that you need to put in. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess the, the, the implementation for interactive maps might be something to look at there for that particular issue. Yeah, I could do I could do an interactive map at some point. Um, like I'm still looking at things to change. I'm not looking to make any major rule or border changes at this point. But if there are things that need to be added, uh, for instance, one of the things I'm considering is like getting rid of all the lines within each state and just creating a map. Uh, with the state, uh, state names layered over each state uh, so that people can reference it if they don't know anything about U.S. geography to start. Couldn't I just Google oh, it? Yeah. <laughs> you could Google it, but... I think that would be a better thing to do rather than waste all your time trying to uh, fix some people's problems that can be easily solved in a couple of clicks. <laughs> oh. I don't know. Uh, or, well, actually a more practical thing would be compiling a proper list of all the variant abbreviations, like all the territory abbreviations and what they stand for in yeah, the variants. That makes sense, yep. Yeah, uh, that's actually something that I'm intending to do over the next week or so, though I've been pretty busy with some stuff going on uh, around me, like in school. Real life has a way of getting in, in the way, unfortunately. Um, for it's many, a shame. Many it of is. Us. <laughs> If only we could just sit around playing diplomacy all day, um, <laughs> being paid for it. The world, the world would be a much better place, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but it, like, if, if you were able to strike it lucky and find a bit more spare time, um, Techno, what would you, if you were going to turn your, your um, variant creating hat to something new, would, is there anything that's kind of floating around in your mind? Well... Um... Maybe learning PHP for once and porting over New World Order. That would be a whole lot of fun to do. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would only take a little bit more time than the six months that I already invested in creating divided states. Mm -hmm. So it was six months from start to finish. Was it technically? Yeah, about that amount. I started it in, a, in late August and it's February now. So yeah, about six months. Yeah. I think usually yeah. it used to take me about six months to make a pretty ordinary run-of-the-mill map, so <laughs> with often like well, only about well, five or six players. Well, it did help that I drew most of it uh, during summer vacation. Yeah. Actually, fun fact, uh, there's one part of the map that I actually drew while uh, I was there, and that is uh, Cape Hatteras, CPH, uh, and the Outer Banks. Uh, I actually drew that part of the map while I was on a vacation in the Outer Banks. Uh, you have to help me out. Where, where, where is that in the U.S.? Uh, North Carolina uh, travels south from Connecticut a bit uh, until you see the OBX sea lane. Uh, North Carolina is in a shade of blue. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, yep, yep. Yeah. Okay. Oh, down there. Oh. Yep. There it is. 
So what was the yeah. what was the location you were in? Was it CPH? CPH, yeah, uh, in those barrier islands off the coast of it. Ah. Yeah. Okay. So, so it was a kind of surreal experience to draw the pixels uh, where you were actually staying at the moment. Uh, Ambi, I think you actually had a similar experience at one point uh, when you were creating your Mates Against Mate variant, mm -hmm. which actually served as a major inspiration for this map. <laughs> Although on a much, much smaller scale. <laughs> uh, a much, much smaller scale because Australia only has, like, what, how, how many? T uh, six, six states. Six states, yeah. But then with that one, we kind of threw in also New Zealand and uh, Indonesia to kind of give the balance. Yeah, I, I didn't really do that with my map. I mean, I could have thrown in the Canadian provinces, but that would have kind of distracted from the whole divided states idea. Yes, yeah. Maybe maybe yeah. that's what someone will do at a later date because it wouldn't take too much effort just to actually pick up the existing map and, and just do that, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, though you probably would want to expand the map to the north a bit because some of the Canadian stuff, like, uh, say, Alberta or Saskatchewan, uh, they only have, like, one or two supply centers within their territories, and you need to rebalance all the border states. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, though I have to say it would be even more hectic to have all the Canadian provinces thrown into the game as well. That would easily put you over 60 players. And then you're going to start throwing the Mexicans in, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mexico has like 20-something states within its borders. I don't know exactly how many there are. I never bothered to remember that. But it, it would easily bring you up to over 100 players and... Yeah, I mean, it's impressive that we managed to get 50 players to play a game of Divided States. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'm, I'm, I'm actually waiting for the uh, gunboat game to start as well. Oh, is it one of isn't it? I'm waiting to have enough points to join one of those gunboat games. Like, I, I have this Known World 901 game where I'm... Uh, just a few supply centers away from death, and once that happens, it'll free up exactly enough uh, diplomacy points to join one of the gunboat games of this map. But I can't do so right now. I love actually always hearing when Kane is on the keyboard during these interviews. He sounds like a gorilla at the keyboard, just randomly <laughs> smashing. I'm just going to say that's great. That's. Um, okay, uh, so, um, actually, sort of running towards, sorry, no, no, go. Actually, no, I kind of want to bring it back to that Mates Against Mate variant, because there were a few pretty critical things that I wound up taking from that variant. Uh, the biggest one being how I went about those colored neutral supply centers in the smack, smack dab in the middle of state territories. Uh, that was the one thing that I saw in the mates against mate variant that I really thought was interesting because it meant that I didn't have to worry nearly as much about, uh, say, a state like Nebraska not having neutrals that I could go for if I could just place one in the middle of the state's territory. Ah, uh, yep, yep. Yeah, I guess I get, yeah, makes sense. Yep. Where did that idea of having those neutral territories within a territory come from? Andy, that was... I, I think actually I got it off some. There was another variant that already had it. <laughs> so I just put it on someone else. Actually, it was. It wasn't Renescimento. You're absolutely correct. Yes. Mm. It was. 
or Renishimiento. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to bother to pronounce it. <laughs> I've actually never played a game on that variant, uh, and I kind of oh, want to do so at some points. Yeah, it's just a fun one. You don't play for points, it's just, just for fun. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I guess you're going to get this question a number of times, so I may as well raise it now. Um, have you given any thought as to implementing um, Fog of War for the map? Implementing Fog of War? Um, yep. uh, not really. Mainly because it's kind of interesting to see what's going on on the other side of the map. And if you implement Fog of War, you can't really do that. Well, I think we've just kind of proven that there is already Fog of War over the map. And we had this full conversation around the Four Corners Alliance. And, and like he goes, I didn't know anything about that at all. And you could see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's... It's wide there for everybody to see. And you still didn't even know. It's right yeah. there on the map. Yeah. <laughs> like, would Fog of War really have a purpose in that regard? I don't know. Um, it would be it would be, be no more no, no more so than any other game where if you have fog of war you know you can have that certain element of you know someone says something to you and you kind of believe them but in fact something totally else is going on in the background and <laughs> you don't know it but they they know and they can see and if it was normally available <laughs> on a non fog non fog map um, you know you wouldn't be able to have those conversations so yeah I guess. Mm. Uh, how would that work though with sea lanes and such? Because with Fog of War, it's everything that's adjacent to you, but this map has some weird rules with adjacency because of the sea lanes. Well, uh, it still probably would work, wouldn't it? So, for example, let's use uh, all at the moment the existing um, the what's whatever the name of the game is we're playing at the moment, the Divided States of America or we know it's States of whatever it is. Anyway, so yeah, States um, of Insanity. That's the one. So um, I was previously in JFT Southeast and uh, California was in the JFT Sea Lane, uh, which is kind of off the west coast of you know, Oregon. And I would expect that from JFT SE, all I'd be able to see would be the literally the adjacent sea territories to that, which would include JFT and, um, mm. you know, uh, SLO, KLA and NCM and SFO. But I would expect that JFT would be able to see all of the JFT um, versions around it, so northwest, northeast, east, and so forth, as well as I'd expect, um, you know, uh, Victoria and all those sea sorry, all those sea provinces, OLP, MSH, PTO, SLO, anything across that. That's the way I'd expect it to work. So if you had a control of a sea zone or an overseer zone, then it would give you a massive, <laughs> massive impact. Well, I guess you could see more. Yeah. I, I mean, they would really live up to their names. Yes, and this kind of just goes to show me how much I should have actually moved there rather than the where I did move. So anyway, <laughs> Oh, well, hindsight 2020. There's Sorry. one thing, though, I did want to ask you about, and that is the Bors. Oh, yeah. Uh, do, you have, do you have any plans on setting up a new Bors game at some point? Because we haven't had one in quite a while. And it has been something that was interesting. Like, you know, I was mentioning uh, the whole idea of influence across the entire map. Well, in Boris, you would have that. Are you talking yeah. about, like, Boris uh, on Divided States? Um, probably not Divided States, but maybe of Boris on World War Four Sea Lanes. Yeah. Um, I've, I've definitely thought about it. The largest Boris we've run is the... Um, Known World 901 um, Wars. Yeah, I saw that. And then, look, Bors games are incredibly funny. I really 
enjoy adjudicating those and, and the players um, and the games I've played in Bourse, there, there's just this whole level of communication that goes on um, around and inside and mm-hmm. it's, just, it's, it's just a really um, great variant. Um, I'd love to run. I would actually love to run a, um, a Bourse game for no world no, no, sorry, for the um, World War Four. even, you know, if we had 50 players, I'd love to run one for the divided states. Yeah, uh, like, what you could do would be, uh, like, put a thread advertising Bors uh, on the forums. If you got, say, 15 players, you'd go for a game of Known World 901. If you got 35 players or 36 players, you'd go for a World War Four game. Maybe if you got up to 50 players, you'd even try for a divided states one. Yeah, um, and it's a, a matter of um, levels of interest. Um, like I said, I'll be more than happy, and I've, I've said it uh, several times on the podcast and on the forum that, you know, uh, it, it just depends on interest uh, in, in that sense. Um, having said that, you know, our last our last boss game was started, what, two years ago, Andy? Yeah, year it's ago? about that. Uh, have a... I have the thread on the forum. Uh, the thread was posted 23rd of September 2016. I don't even know if I was on the site at that point. So 2016, yeah. yeah. So that sounds about right. We would have started it towards the end of 2016 and it spilled over into, what, last year, 2017. I guess yeah, now it's 2018. It went, through, it went, it went could, um, through a good 15 months, I think, from memory. Yeah, and these things are long because there's a lot of um, discussion behind it. So it's a real uh, slog. Oh, yeah. And, um, a lot of, you know, uh, because it's so, it, there's such an intensity to it, um, we do end up with players who either think they're interested in it and then sort of drop off, or players who um, who just wouldn't touch it with a you know ten foot pole. Um, so uh, there's that there's that uh, <laughs> issue as well. But you know, now that you raise it, and I'm kind of thinking that. You know, it'd be a good one to raise. Okay, 2018, guys, let's get a game of balls happening. Yeah, uh, let's go for the gold. Go for a game of it on sea lanes. Uh, The reason why I say sea lanes is because uh, that map needs so much more attention than it's gotten. We've only had four games on it. Uh, We just got to give it more love. I I, Uh, I, I agree. (laughs) Yeah, no... Actually, the reason I like World War Four Sea Lanes so much, and why I like the Sea Lanes concept in general, is because the first World War Four game I had uh, going, that one that I was talking about, where I was Oceania. Uh, what constantly bugged me were stalemate lines that kept popping up in the sea territories. Like I was trying to attack California, stalemate line. Uh, trying to attack Texas, stalemate line. Trying to attack Russia, stalemate line. Though that one was kind of because it was towards the end of the game. Sea lanes, you don't have to worry about that as much. And with the games such as Boris, where being able to eliminate a player is such a key thing, uh, having that ability to, say, go across the map and go across the oceans more easily would be like really quintessential to a good game. Uh, look, I, I can imagine scenarios with a sea lanes boss where you'd have a player... Um, for no reason is in, in South America, like say Argentina, and because of the negotiations that have gone into Bors, ends up getting convoyed to India 
for, for whatever. <laughs> I can imagine this happening. You know, that's that's the sort of outcome that force um, kind of promotes. Um, so yeah, look, I, I will I'll put up an ad in the next couple of days advertising for a Bourse for Sea Lanes. How's that? Uh, that would be great. That would be great. Uh, maybe talk about it in the podcast a bit. Uh, give it a bit of promotion. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Uh, since a, bor- a, a Boris on ceilings would be just so much fun. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and from the from the point of view of adjudicating these things, there, there's there's so much insight that I get um, from actually taking that role on from players talking to me about why they're making buys and what they think is going on and I'm getting other bits of information I feel like um, I really feel like a spy master (laughs) (laughs) have you got time to take it on at the moment Kana Um, I do yeah Um, from the sense that if I'm not going to be um, taking on larger games uh, that are in sense with the negotiation stuff. I reckon I could probably manage that. But for a large, so, uh, says the guy who's currently in two divided states games and one World War Four game, all full press. Yeah, and and a, yeah, yep, yep. But but a um, the boss, the, the the requirements on the boss is um, it's very much chasing up players who haven't sent you orders. It's making sure that the orders are entered in correctly into a pre constructed spreadsheet and that's uh, uh, yeah there's there's no i'm not i'm not directly interacting with the diplomacy side of it at all if, if a player misses an, a boss order well they've missed the boss order there's something i can do yeah they just keep their stocks that's right yeah so it's not um from that side of things it doesn't have the same level of um commitment that a, a fully full press totally committed game sort of has Know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in that case, uh, uh, that's certainly reassuring. I'm actually really curious to see how this map plays on Gunboat because it was built with press in mind. Uh, that's why you have that one extra unit for mo- uh, for most people. Uh, like that was one of the things I was thinking about when designing the variants is uh, what sort of opening moves will you have. And with Gunboat, it's probably going to be absolute chaos on what people to cho- uh, choose to do with that extra unit that they have. Oh, absolutely. And that's part of the pleasure of playing a Gunboat game. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah I, I think based on know. that, I'm going to have to join one of these games. I'll join the one that you're in, Kana. There we are. Okay. That way I'll yeah, get okay. to maybe get a chance to stab you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, it's all anonymous, so you don't know who's stabbing who. <laughs> Actually, one of as the variant designer, one of the things I've been nervous about is that somebody around me is just going to be like, you know what, I, I want to give the variant designer a bad time and just attack me regardless. Uh, thankfully, that hasn't happened yet. Uh, though Ohio, for some reason, moved into uh, one of my territories in that Divided States of America game that I'm playing with you, Kaner. Yep. Yeah, I don't know what what's up with that. Um, yeah, look, I'm, um, I'm just going to pull that one up right now. The um, divided states of America. I saw there was an interesting bounce in that corner area just south of me um, between you and whatever that other state Indiana. is. Still, yeah, Indiana. Indiana. By the way, that one was also taken from Monopoly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but we've got we've got some pretty high caliber players sitting around us. Techno star. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, rest of the map, it's like people under a thousand Vita points. Wait, hang on. I shouldn't be talking. I have a thousand and seven right now because I keep joining uh, games where somebody's in CD and then getting eliminated. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's the addiction, isn't it? Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of fun to play one of those losing positions just to see if you have that chance of making it out alive. But yeah, it does give you a hit to your VDIP rating. Oh, I, I think you're slightly protected if you lose on a CD that you've taken over from memory. Yeah. It's not quite as harsh a hit as if you were playing it from the start. Probably not. No, I think the I think the one that really sent me down was a gunboat game of modern diplomacy, where I was Egypt and France wound up soloing, and I was I was only barely able to actually fight France at the very ends there, in that game, just simply because you know France and Egypt and that map don't have that much to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like that that much interaction available. Yep. Um, on that United States of America, look, I've, I've absolutely no idea what um, what Red was thinking about um, moving down to LBL there. Um, but on the same side, you know, I'm, I moved to AUR, um, but realised I now need to protect Chicago just in case. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, fun fact, fun fact. Chicago. Uh, used to be right next to an Indiana Home Supply Center. Uh, Gary was actually a Home Supply Center uh, in one of the first uh, layouts I had. And I was like, wait, hang on, that's probably a really, really dumb idea. So uh, then I looked south and realized that I had somehow made Evansburg and Owensboro also adjacent to each other. So I had to, be, I had to do quite a bit uh, to make sure that Indiana was not stuck with two units that couldn't really do anything yep. uh, or risk losing those centers. Well, I, I quite like how you've resolved that um, particular tension in the um, in that region. I mean, the tension is still there, but at yeah. the same time, until some serious moves happen around that region that will sort of give away players' intentions, it's... Um, going to stay sort of up in the air like i deliberately chose not to build a, a fleet in chicago like it um sort of was one of the uh, auto build options there yeah kind of regretting that given that um is it michigan the, the yeah library? that's michigan yeah that michigan's moved to um the lmi lower, lower uh, yeah yeah um, uh, lake, michigan. lake michigan yeah lake michigan, lake michigan. Yep. Uh, yeah, moved to Lake Michigan, the, 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 the overseer zone. So yeah. I have no idea what his intentions are at this point in time, whether he's going to be... Um, yeah, no, we'll have to see what winds up happening. Yeah. Uh, actually, on that topic, there are, some, uh, th there are some adjacencies that I chose not to resolve, mainly because they were either too difficult to resolve, like in the case of Hartford and Springfield, Massachusetts, uh, or uh, like in the case of Mississippi and Alabama, the deep red and deep purple states in the south. Uh, 
or they just provided some actually beneficial tension like between Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I actually the, though I probably could have resolved the one between Massachusetts and Connecticut, but I wanted to give Rhode Island a chance to not be ganged up on immediately by both of them. Yeah, so those small um those small states in that um, northeast is uh you know that I mean honestly those areas could turn into powerhouses pretty quickly if they uh, Oh yeah, uh, they actually yeah. They actually have the same amount of supply centers as anywhere else on the board. It's just that they're much smaller on the map itself. Sort of yeah. like in uh, Europe and many of the world games. Yeah, so they could be quite powerful, but don't quite look at on the scale or the the, the size discrepancy of the yeah. continent politics, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Anyway... We've been talking to you, you know, for over an hour now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're probably getting late over there. And mm -hmm. uh, one of the other things I might like to mention are the state flags. Oh, yeah. So you know how all these units have the flags on them? Well, okay, I hate American state flags. They are one of the worst things ever because they have no originality. Like, over half of these state flags are some sort of emblem on a blue background. Like, uh, what I wound up having to do for Idaho and Pennsylvania, their state flags, uh, at a glance, look identical. Uh, even It's even difficult to tell apart Pennsylvanian flag and New York flag. Uh, some of them, like Maryland, Maryland has a good flag, but many of these other states, not so much. Huh. But that's the theme I went with, so I stuck uh, stuck with it. Well, now that you've mentioned it, I'm seeing them all different now. I, I, I just go by colour, generally. <laughs> but now that you've mentioned it, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's not like you you know, didn't have enough to do. So, oh, I'll just create 50 more little flags. Actually, no, it's 100 because you've got to do one version for our army and one version for navy. Oh, well, no, no, no. All I had to do was just simply copy and paste the uh, flag over from one model to the other. Uh, the, army, <laughs> the army and fleets uh, icons like uh, the actual text, the A and the army symbol, or, or the boats and the F for fleets, those were actually taken from World War Four though I expanded the top part a little bit because the American state flags would not do so well with only three pixels high. Well, sure. uh, they, they didn't turn out very well in this one just because the American state flags are not the best, as I mentioned before, but it would have turned out even worse if I had only made it three high. Actually, now looking at it, I, I do recognize the Texas one. Yeah. Well, yeah, the Texas one is pretty iconic. Uh, the California one uh, is not nearly as iconic, but you oh, still no. might recognize it from World War yeah, Four. It's the one with the bear on it, isn't it? Um, the little green dots of bear. I actually forget whether or not it has uh, an actual bear on it. Let me look it up. Pretty sure it does. It's got a bear and it's on a white background with a red underneath it, I think. Uh some of these flags. Yeah, flags. That, yeah, it is a bear. It is a bear. Uh, I was thinking it might be a forest or something, but nope, it's a bear. 
Uh, some of the flags are you know, some European, like the um, what's that one over there with um, just northwest of Illinois. Um, uh, oh, it doesn't matter. Iowa. Yeah, Iowa is it? Yeah. Sort of blue, yellow, red with something in the middle. Uh, actually, blue, white, and red with uh, yeah. an emblem in the middle. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Actually, the one state flag that I uh, legitimately like is probably the Arizona state flag. Uh, it turned out, I'd say, pretty good in my opinion. Uh, it's supposed to be a rising sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the New Mexico flag is also pretty decent. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the state flags, um, they were a touch I decided to add. Um, and it does make sure, it does guarantee that you know which unit belongs to which country. Which, considering that there's currently a bug where the background colors are not entirely correct, uh, is a pretty good uh, design choice in that regard. Like, if you look at, say, Oregon the background color is the same as Pennsylvania. Uh, that's a bug that Ollie's trying to work out right now. Oh, I see. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Or, or, well, it's actually caused by the exact same reason why the support holds are purple for some reason. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Oh, well, we're going to uh, find some solution to it eventually. It's going to be a process, but for sure, but we'll come to some solution at some point. And Ollie's Ollie's looking into it. Oh yeah, Ollie's looking into it. Um, one of the nightmares I always had w- with designing this variant was trying to somehow sort out the way V diplomacy manages colors. Like for the longest time, I was having an issue where the move arrows were all coming up tan, mm-hmm. and. Well, Considering that tan is also the exact same color used for neutral uh, territories, that's a pretty big issue. Turns out it was uh, due to some strangeness with the way PHP handles colors, and I wound up having to take code from the known world uh, 901 variant and adapt it to my own variant in order to get that thing to work properly. Not fun. No, no, I imagine it wouldn't be very fun. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so just another added bit of, you know, development that adds to the epicness getting this thing, you know, running. Uh, oh, yeah, it's been a very, very long process to get this thing uh, up and running. Uh, though considering the fact that I want to go into a profession in computer science, like computer programming and such, for my job... I guess I gotta get used to this kind of bug fixing. Pretty good yep. experience, I imagine. Yep. Uh, oh yeah, uh, certainly not a, very not a bad thing to have on the uh, on the CV. Uh, oh yeah, it's definitely going to be a nice thing to have uh, have had done because it did give me a bit of exposure to PHP that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Yep. Sure. Uh huh. Very good. Okay, I think we might um, wrap it up there. Does that sound okay with you guys? Okay, that sounds okay. I think I've said everything I wanted to say. <laughs> and uh, th- thanks again, Techno. Yeah, thank you for uh, having me. It's been a pleasure. 
Okay. See you, Techno. Bye. See you. Bye. Bye. And we're back. Oh, it is. It's working. It is. <laughs> that, that, that worked on the first button. I know. I think because I pressed pause instead of stop. See, this is how... This is, this is why we need better equipment, guys. <laughs> yeah. So, what did you guys reckon? I, I, was, I, I got a lot from this interview. I enjoyed this. It was our longest interview... To date. To date. Yep. Uh, but it was a fun one. And I don't know, I kind of like hearing it from, you know, when you kind of do an interview or something, they said, oh, I had a great time. Thanks very much. <laughs> I don't know if we actually kind of left that bit in or not, or we just kind of left that on the edit or the cutting room floor. Oh, but it, in the end, I, I guess one of the things which I, I took from this one was that, oh, that we're technologically backwards, Andy. You and me. Look, we're struggling with the stop-start button <laughs> and the pause. And, and here's this guy. He's, he's, he's practically... Kids these days. He's, made, he's running his own server he, yeah, look, in order you know, to make a, 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 a variant. He'll be running the equivalent of like a brand-new version of Facebook within a year or two. <laughs> I mean, he'll be a billionaire whilst we're sitting around just trying, to, around trying, to, trying to get a couple of bucks to kind of buy some bloody year, microphones you know? in our business. <laughs> But look, um, some interesting things, I guess, from, from what he what he raised. I, 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 I love the parallel between the fact that his his school is basically banned VDIP, <laughs> much the way that my work has banned all diplomacy websites. But the school must have its priorities wrong, right? Because if, if, if it's caused if it's caused a young man to make and set up his own server yeah figure out the coding which is what you know they, they reckon future jobs are going to be in yeah. this area you know and he, he's this impetus but they've blocked that impetus at the school yeah actually we never really found out what did he say what state he was from no I don't think he did he did say where he holidayed he did say where he holidayed holidayed <laughs> Blah, blah, blah. Is it where he vacationed? Vacation. Yeah, oh, yes, yes. Americans, vacation. Yeah, which is basically camping out on the beach. Yep. Yeah. But anyway, so I mean, I'm kind of thinking whether there's certain, there's certain, yeah, you know, and, and I touched, we touched on this briefly in the interview about the whole, um, you know, red blue state thing. So, oh, that, you know, obviously yeah. some states which are probably more inclined to go, you know, hey, we've got we to protect you from all this kind of, you know, bad influence created by diplomacy. <laughs> like your work. No, your work's like, no, you should be working. As opposed to others, which is like, hey, you know, yeah, just plug into this and it's all good and it'll make you a better person and then you can do all this cool stuff. And... Yeah, that's an interesting question, one we never really followed through with asking. No. Um, something I'd, I'd, I'd like to know more about as to, you know, the decision-making tree behind why certain websites are blocked. For me, it makes no sense. No, you no. Know, there's so many boxes that that would tick educationally. Actually, I must, I must admit I'm getting a bit worried because my um, the iPad that I bring along to our recording sessions is uh, apparently due to be replaced. Uh-oh. But it's apparently going to be replaced to something which is like connected out to our network, like a... Is it a surface or something like that? Oh, no. Which will oh, then okay. automatically... It's like... Rrr, rrr, can't oh, do no. any more diplomacy. Oh, <laughs> Well, oh, I'll have to get my little phone out and play around with it. doesn't matter. Anyway, so it was really interesting that he had that experience. But, you know, also, it's, I, I'm going a little bit off the script here, but one thing I was surprised about was 
I don't know, maybe as being an adult, I kind of automatically generally assume that everyone playing diplomacy are adults, and they're yeah. clearly not the case. <laughs> clearly not. Yeah. And um, it's like, oh, how do I kind of put myself back into that frame of mind of what it's like being a kid again? Well, I guess it, you know, proof that the hobby's not dead in the water at all. You know, it's still attracting you know, young blood to it. Yeah, yeah. that's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, you know, this means the hobby's going to be alive. And, you know, once it gets into your veins at an early age, I know it got into mine at an early age. Yeah. I, I took a bit of a break over from it, but, it, you know, it sort of resurfaced and it's hard to really... You know, get away from it entirely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know that that's really good. Um, well, good news for the future of it. Yeah, and um, the fact that you know he had all this experience with the code and yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then creating a server and like actually the thing about this particular variant because of how many how many players there are, fifty players. You know, it pretty much means you can't really run a t- test game because. It's a bit hard to get 50 people to go to a test game. Although, as we found out, it was quite easy to get 50 people to play a real game, just like that. So maybe there was a bit of a a misassumption there, if that's a real word. And um, to then go off and actually create your own and build your own server, effectively, to run it all, to do all your dummy testing based on your own dummy accounts for 50-odd players, you know... I must say, I'm kind of, I'm impressed that, you know, not just people, but, you know, the kids are nowadays are actually, the kids, Jesus, I sound like a fucking old fart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really impressed Where's that the kids these days. No, um, I don't know, I was just, I thought that really shows a lot of, um, a lot of initiative. And that's a good thing. Especially where you say, you know, these type of coding skills and, and you know, they, they, not only the jobs of the future, but, you know, they're the businesses of the future and. I don't know if you were um, looking at some of these maps, but the, the, the sheer... And this is what brought up the question in regards to what um, software he was using in the creation of um, the maps. It, was, it turns out he was using GIMP, which is a software that I'm fairly familiar with. But at the same time, you know, I'm just pulling up the, the, um, the colour-coded imagery yep. that he had to arrange one layer on top of the other in, in such a way as to not allow for any overlap. And from my experience, having to do that on uh, a graphics operating software is quite a, a laborious task. So that, that he's done it in six months... So one okay. thing would be useful there, Kaner, is if you're able to just do a couple of screenshots of that and just send it through to me, I'll chuck it up in the show notes so people can actually see what it looks like. Well, that lives in the resources of every... Um, oh, okay. Well, no worries. I'll just go to that and just create links to it and just rip it off, eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That, that, that I'm sure he won't mind me ripping off his IP. And in fact, he won't. You know why? Why? Because he already said... He did. He did. He, he said totally yeah. okay with people taking his map and running with it to create variants. Yeah. So already, you know, there's a couple that jump to mind. You know, the result, um, every election result, you could make up a new map. Yes. Election 2016, election 2020, election 2024. I don't know. Oh, yeah. there's one for it. Uh, I mean, if I had the time and the inclination, I reckon that whole... Not so much a civil war, but like, you know, that you, know, you could do that type of thing with... Uh, two players but jeez as, as we just talked about in the interview 
having, say, God knows how many territories you said, there'll be over 100 SCs each player would start oh, with. God, yeah. Which indeed. the number of orders would just do your head in. You'd have to have like quite a long. Even though it's just one person against another person, you'd have to leave at least time for faces just to put in those orders. I guess, um, who, who's the, it's Toby who's been running the, um, the interactive map side of things, isn't it? Uh, I can't remember. I think so, but I'm not 100% sure. It's, it's been a little while. Um, but, no, no, I, I think that particular large map would be you know, quite useful to have the interactive orders on. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like, for example, with going back to uh, one of the variants I created, like, years ago, like the um, American Conflict... Oh, yes. You know, that yeah. idea of a civil war but involving European powers at the same time. Having a map like that divided states map just adds so much opportunity um, beyond the, the standard fall of the American Empire 5 map that everyone tends to use for a lot of American variants. It'd be interesting to see it after a few test runs to see what sort of a, which alliances generally occur. Yeah. If there is a pattern. If there is a pattern, maybe you could then amalgamate those states into one players and and shrink the player, the need for large players down to maybe, I don't know, 30 players instead of 50. Just spitballing, really. I I kind of had the other idea, which is like, I'm going to argue against my own idea now. If you took that map from divided states and did something like an American conflict or civil war, you know, period of time in the 1860s, historically, because I'm a historical geek, you wouldn't be able to have the easy transition between the Northern Passage and also Panama Canal because the Northern Passage would all be frozen and Panama Canal hasn't been built yet. Well, when you're making that variant, you just remove that connection. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. But it would add a totally different dynamic. You wouldn't be able to easily go around the map the same type of way that I assume was likely happening in these other games. Oh, I expect it to happen in the other games. So talking um, about the games, I mean, we, we mentioned in the interview around um, how we're both involved in the existing... Uh, one divided States, divided of States of America. Oh, America. Oh, no, oh, no, 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 no that's no, one no, you're that's involved in. Um, and accidentally... They're all kind of named very, very similarly, aren't they? United States of Insanity. That's it. Yeah. And so, you know, it's really... Well, I mentioned in the interview, I'll mention it again. It was was quite an insight as to how in these large boards, there's generally stuff that goes on on the other side of the board or even, you know, a few states or countries removed that you just have no idea is actually occurring. Yeah. So... um, for those of you who are in that map, um, it might be a worthwhile enterprise having a listen to see what, um, in the early stages of the game, the thinking process is going on on the um, well central west coast of America. And I've just this moment pulled up that map and noticed that yeah. the gunboat game has started. <gasps> gunboat started? Yes. Awesome. I'm not going to show you who I'm playing, Andy. That's all right. It's meant to be anonymous, so I'm not going to show you either. But very exciting stuff. (laughs) None of this. You show me yours, I'll show you mine. No, not in this world. No, no. Not there's anything wrong with that. (laughs) Well, you know, they had that referendum or whatever it was in Australia nowadays. So, yeah, apparently it's all cool again. Yes. Okay. Um, 
Wow, okay, I need to think about this a little bit more. Um, well, about my proposition. What? No, about gunboat. Are <laughs> <laughs> oh, we a bad influence, Andy? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're moving very, very quickly through these, um, <laughs> through the run sheet here. But, yeah, yeah, okay, so there was, there was uh, a bit of introspective thinking for me after this interview. Oh, yeah? Thinking about, you know, we sit around in a pub, we may occasionally get a little bit pissy. Yes. We do drop probably way too many curse words. Yep. And Swear in fact, bombs. we may, as a result, theoretically should actually have like an explicit language warning on iTunes that we don't have. Um, <laughs> so don't report us to iTunes, guys. Okay. Um, but yeah, it did get me for a little while thinking, you know, are we a bad influence? And it was interesting, you felt the same way. So do you still feel that way a couple of days after the interview? Or? No. <laughs> no. No, neither do I. Some pangs of guilt there for a bit, but no. It's, uh... but we, did, we did talk about the idea of maybe just, you know, sitting in a park with, you know, bringing sandwiches and some, you know, lemonade. And, and then and... all I'd be wanting was a beer. So, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Where would the fun be in that? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, but so we won't. We're not going to do that. But with the gunboat game, I'll look, I'll, I know it's anonymous, and I will kind of say because you said it's just literally, and you, I've, I've kind of brought it up now. Um, that, no peeking. So I, I will say, I, I have drawn someone that was on a river. On a river. On a river. And as part of this divided states, obviously you get the choice of your builds, and I don't know. I'm going to have to start thinking about that because to what extent I want to use do I want to do fleets and things it made perfect sense when I drew Oregon and everyone can kind of see who got what on that yes. one yep. for me to build a, a fleet for the Pacific yes that's like hmm I wonder how the whole fleet river rule type of things panning out and whether I should go that way or what's the Coastal convoys on the river and islands implemented? No, I don't think it was, no. See, I had this view, which was never implemented by Techno Star for the map, probably because I never actually articulated it. (laughs) (laughs) You had this idea, but it lived somewhere and I never told anyone about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So look, you know, Techno Star, get your bloody act together. Um, (laughs) You should have read my mind. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But I had this idea, look, like, okay, if it's, if it's work on this assumption that, you know, the whole of America has just gone to in a basket case, yeah. wouldn't one of the first things you'd do for your state if you want to take a defensive measure and you're on a river is go around and blow up all the bridges? Oh, so you're talking about, like, river crossings? Like... Yeah, no, 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 either, either that or alternatively you kind of, um, you remove the ability for armies to go across the river. But, oh... Oh, yeah, okay. Well, how would they get across the river? I don't know. I didn't think that far ahead. <laughs> You'd have to turn the rivers into little provinces themselves. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't you? And have a fleet sitting Maybe in Maybe you should only really do that on something like the Mississippi, which is really, really wide. Any stretches yeah. of navigable river, which is, like, really, really wide. Actually, have to, like a, having to have a fleet there for the army river. to cross yeah, yeah, yeah. it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking shit. I probably am. Maybe something for the, a variant creator to pick up in the future. Maybe. Divided States Mark Two. Yes. Anyway, so, look, 
that was quite got... a long. That was quite a long. Um, yeah, interview. And yeah, guys. Um, the only other thing that oh that came out of the discussion. That, yes, that came up of the discussion that we should really raise up here is the, um, the potential to run a force for twenty eighteen. The 2018, yeah, 2018. Great, the Great Horse Challenge. The Great Horse Challenge. So, so what are you thinking, um, Kana? What map? Well, I know, I know there was conversation there was, around. There was conversation around the sea. The number of players yeah. and everything like that. But if you, if you kind of had a perfect scenario where everyone went, oh, boss, I've been listening to your podcast around that. That sounds like the most fun ever. <laughs> yeah. And you got oversubscribed, and you could pick and choose which variant map you would go with. What would be your choice? I think I'll go with the sea lanes, as Technostar was suggesting. Is this, and that's for the reasons that we're raised. Is that you know that there's a reduced chance of stalemate lines. Um, it's got a high number of players, so you get a high degree of volatility. But, but, you need but, another drink. But, 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 I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, volatility. Volatility is the word I'm looking for in the. Um, in, in the boards itself so you know and, and at that level I think you'd be looking at like three day game three day phases perhaps yeah with rule book press so there's no communication with other players during, during the build builds and, and retreats retreats yeah yeah that would be my um, thinking around the parameters at this stage hey when you do that so what happens I'm just trying to remember because I don't, I don't know if I can, I've, I've played one rule book press game over in web dip and I can't remember how it ran with that. So, like, if you were in the middle of a, a build phase or a retreat phase, yeah, and you go to like the tab of another player to talk to them, is that tab is there, is the ability there, or or if you actually send something, they just don't get it until the beginning of spring? No, or, the tab the ability is just not there to send it. You know, okay. so it's just been blocked. Um, and the other really cool thing is that um, you can only enter in a saved or uh, a, a ready order. You can't enter in to save an order in Rubik Press. Oh, so you have to finalise. Straight away finalise, yeah. There's no save button? No. Hmm. How do you um, preview the order? Because don't you have to save to preview? You do, yeah. So how does that work? Well, Because you may you actually... Like fi- so you like, yeah, hypothetically, you may finalise yeah. then... And that, that, and that if you're the last person to finalise, you get no opportunity to preview your orders, and you go, and then you kind of the the, the, the turn happens, and you kind of fuck up. You've made a mistake. You've support held one of your units when you meant to support move one of your units. I think you've gotten over a line on this preview function, Andy. Well, okay. Do you look, remember playing before there was preview functions? No. I remember playing. No, I don't. <laughs> Actually, I do. And I screw up all the time. <laughs> all the time. Well, that might be a discussion for the next um, podcast because I'm aware that the interview went quite long. Yes. And we've now been talking for about half an hour on um, our intro, outro. Yeah. Um, my suggestion is we fill up our alcoholic drinks at the next bar. I like it, yeah. Because mine's empty, you're empty. I'm empty. So even if we go to a chink at the end, it's going to be... It's a hollow it's chink. It's a hollow chink. But, but it's, it's an encouraging chink for the next next venue. It will be moved to the next venue. So without further ado, I'm Kana. And I am Ambie. And... and-
<laughs> <laughs> and thank you for listening. See you. Bye-bye.